Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Glad to have you here. How are you feeling today? You in a good mood? Well, if you're not yet, we definitely will have you in a good mood by the end of the show because we've got lots of great content and guests for you today. The best in social media, the best in morning talk shows. It's the Wake Up America show with me, AP, for Liberty. Glad to have you here. Click that like button. Subscribe to the channel if you enjoy the content that you hear today. We'd love to have you come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We stream this show live. We fight for economic freedom and personal liberty. So click that like and subscribe and we'll see you again tomorrow. It's going to be a great day today. We've got some awesome guests and some really good clips. I can't wait to share. There were so many awesome stories today. I can't possibly fit them all in. I don't know. I'll, maybe I can squeeze a few extra ones in. We'll see. At the shop, top, the shop of the toe, the top of the show. Slow down, AP. The top of the show today. Elon Musk sat down on Halloween night with Joe Rogan to say that it is the beginning of the end for the woke mind virus. He called out George Soros and says that he bought Twitter because he wanted to save it from le leftist activists. All other kinds of mind-blowing revelations that were in this amazing interview. I've got some of the best clips from it. That's why you watch the Wake Up America show and listen to us, baby, because you know you're going to get the hottest daily news before you're going to hear it anywhere else. That's why it's a great way to start your day right here, right? That's right. All right, Austin, shut up. Do the news. At 7.30 this morning, Remzo Martinez is going to be joining me. He's a fellow martial artist to talk about this news story that made me smile. Women abandoned a Brazilian martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament after being forced to fight men. This is, I got to say, what needs to happen if women don't want to have to compete against men when it comes to sports. Now, this is going to be an interesting conversation, and it'll be great because it'll be an old friend of mine. Renzo Martinez will be joining us on the show today. He's a judoka. He works for Amplify America. He's going to be joining us at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. That's how I mask my burps. When you hear me go like that, I'm, I'm speaking and I'm burping and I'm masking my burps. Okay, sorry. Uh, do, 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 do. Remzo Martinez is going to join us to talk about this. And I, I say it's a little bit of good news, honestly. This is really what needs to happen if things are going to change on this one. So good for you, ladies, for standing up for yourself. At 8 o'clock this morning, we're going to speak to Will Scharf. He's an attorney general candidate here in the state of Missouri and a Jew. And he's going to talk to us today uh, about rising anti-Semitism on campuses and how so, so many of these leftist Democrats, or I guess I should say just Democrats, if you will, uh, Jewish Democrats are learning their lessons the hard way about what decolonization looks like. The progressives are all at each other's throats on campuses all across the country right now, as many Jewish millionaires and billionaires have declared that they are going to be pulling their grant funding from these campuses that have allowed these raging anti-Semitic protests to go on uh, on their college campuses. And now the left is eating one another. I mean, they're at each other's throats over the question of, because of intersectionality and the leftist view of oppressors and oppressed, Nobody on the left can agree whether or not the Jews are actually an oppressed people or whether or not they are the oppressors, because that's what critical theory looks at things through the lens of. And so now <laughs> the left is just in a complete and full-blown civil war, which might provide an opportunity for Republicans next year 
if they can get their act together. But of course, Lord knows Republicans have a way of screwing things up. We're going to hear from Will Scharf this morning on this topic at 8 a.m. Central Time. Can't wait to hear from Will. He's the man. Looking forward to hearing from him on that. Did you see Mayim Bialik, right? Blossom of Blossom fame. And um, what was that show? Bazinga. I never watched it. Bazinga. I don't know what the kids say nowadays. They said Bazinga on the show. I can't remember. Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> that just goes to show how old I am. I'm dating myself. Uh, but no, Mayim Bialik apparently did this. Um, I won't say mea culpa, perhaps, but well, let's just say that a lot of Jewish Democrats are learning their lessons the hard way. I mean, what did they think decolonization was going to look like? I think we're seeing it happening right now in the Middle East. At 8.30 this morning, we're going to speak to Judge Napolitano. We can't wait to talk to the judge. Usually he comes in at 8 a.m. Central Time on the show, uh, but he needs a little t- uh, later time slot today. No problem. Rand Paul stands alone fighting for free speech in the U.S. Senate against social media censorship. Free speech is going to be a big theme of the Wake Up America show today. So from top to bottom, we stand for that. And if you stand with us, click like and subscribe. Don't forget to, you can also text the show anytime, night or day. I know we got a lot of podcast listeners who are like, hey, I don't listen to the show live. I don't have time or I don't get up early. Well, that's fine. We love it when our, when our uh, people subscribe to the audio version of the podcast. It's a great way to enjoy the show as well. But you're like, I can't text the show. Well, yes, you can, because if you send me a text, now, 8 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night, whenever you're listening to it, the audio version of the podcast later, I always check those text messages. So feel free to send me a text anytime, night or day, to 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. One listener texted me last evening, last night, actually, and said, loved your show this morning. God bless for all the good work, brother. It said, I believe we're in the age of truth. So many will reject what's uncomfortable, but ultimately you're doing God's work by enlightening those who want to listen. Amen, brother. Amen. Can I get an amen? Sexual chocolate. You can text me too at 573-319-1586. Again, that text line, what I recommend you do is to program that on your phone so you don't have to worry. You don't have to say, oh, I have no idea how to get in touch with AP. Just te- text it, uh, type that into your phone, 573 573- 319-1586. Drummergoy says, uh, sheesh, too many gummies for me lately. I've become essentially a drooling imbecile. Time to take a break. And it's nice to see Studio 314. He was on a vacation. He went out and touched grass. Thank you to everybody who's dropping those likes. I see we've got 20 so far. Love it if I could hit 100 by the end of the show. We appreciate y'all very much. Uh, mute that. Okay. Joe Rogan goes on. Or Elon Musk goes on Joe Rogan. Uh, before we do, before we get to that, can we just check in real quick on the commander in chief? Let's just see how's the mental health of our commander in chief doing these days? How's uh, Joe Biden doing? Uh, is everything, you know, with the Middle East blowing up and with college campuses in flames across the United States and people being charged with terroristic threats? Uh, let's see how our commander in chief's and, doing. You know, when you've bounced a few checks like I did, you know, when I was trying to get started, it, uh, anyway, that's what. Wait, what? <laughs> we know that he his career got started with plagiarism and lying on his resume, but bouncing checks. Well, wait a minute, one more time. And then, how did he end that sentence? And, you know, when you've bounced a few checks like I did, you know, when I was trying to get started. It uh, anyway, that's over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they're laughing, but I don't think they're laughing with you, Mr. President. They might be laughing at you. Uh, okay, well. Maybe this next clip he'll be uh, sounding a little better. You know, uh, 
It represented uh, the, the, the moment we walked away from how this country was built when we got into the trickle-down series. What the hell is he trying to say? That's our illustrious commander-in-chief. No, God! No, yeah, God, that's the please, guy who's no, in charge of no, dealing with the Middle East no, crisis at the moment. No. Um, they say we're not going to get into World War III, but I'm pretty sure I saw a tweet the other day from Jim Cramer. Everybody knows Jim Cramer. He's the guy that... If he says to invest in a stock, then you know do the opposite. Or if he says don't buy something, then now's the time to buy. Saying that he doesn't think that World War III is on the way, which of course means... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, prepare for World War III. Anyways, all right. So we'll get to the Elon Musk, uh, Joe Rogan interview last night. Fiery interview on Joe Rogan last night for Halloween. It was awesome. The Tesla owner slammed George Soros for what he says he calls eroding the fabric of civilization. Elon Musk says he bought Twitter because it was being controlled by the far left and he warned of the woke mind virus. God bless you, Elon Musk. You shall sit at the right hand of God. Elon Musk on Tuesday appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast. He was smoking cigars. He was drinking whiskey. Sounds like fun. Uh, and then he also, Joe Rogan pulled out one of his, uh, hunting bows and he said they made a bet for a dollar that if, uh, Joe Rogan would fire a bow and arrow at his Tesla's cyber truck, that it would not pierce the vehicle. And well, I've got the video of that as well. It's going to be awesome. I'll play that for you. Musk said things like George Soros hates humanity and wants to erode the fabric of civilization. And uh, then he was talking about things like why he bought Twitter, he's, which is, you know, he bought for $44 billion and now it's, well, it's only worth about $19 billion. Yikes. Think about all the poor homeless children you could feed with that. Um, but he bought Twitter because he said that he felt that it was corrosive. Now I've got some of the best clips for you. So why not just let's go ahead and play them and then, then we'll react. What has it been like? Uh, you've, you've owned X for a year now. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and have oh, a dream yeah. that you didn't do it? <laughs> <laughs> and your life is infinitely easier? Well, it's certainly um, a recipe for trouble, I suppose, or contention. Um, what was it ultimately that led you to make the decision to do it? I mean, this is going to sound... Uh, somewhat melodramatic, but I was worried about that, that it was having a corrosive effect on civilization. Uh, that it was uh, just having a bad, a bad impact. Um, and um, I think part of it is that it, it's, where, it's where it was located, which is, uh, you know, downtown San Francisco. Um, and while I, I think San Francisco is a beautiful city and, and we should really fight hard to... Um, kind of right the ship of San Francisco. If you've walked around downtown San Francisco, right near the ex-FKA Twitter headquarters, it's a zombie apocalypse. I mean, it's rough. Have you, have you been, been in that area? Not lately. No. Yeah. I've heard. It's crazy. I've heard it's crazy. I've heard you, you really can't believe it until you actually go there. You can't. Man, boy. I don't think he's being melodramatic at all. I actually completely agree with him. I, I've been to San Francisco, not extremely recently, but about a year or two ago, 
and I'm actually going back again in January. And I'm, it's very concerning for your safety when you're on the streets of San Francisco. It is a dangerous place. And it has a lot to do with George Soros. It has a lot to do with how George Soros has manipulated the system. And I think Elon Musk has rightly called that out here in this next clip. Take a we, listen. You know, it, he, he is, I believe, the top contributor to the Democratic Party. Um, the second one was... Uh, Sam, Sam back, we're free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and Soros, I don't know. I mean, he had a very difficult upbringing. Um, and uh, I, in my opinion, he fundamentally hates humanity. That's my opinion. Really? Yeah. I mean, well, he's doing things that erode the fabric of civilization. You know, uh, getting DAs elected who refuse to prosecute crime. That's part of the problem in San Francisco and LA and much of other cities. So why would you do that? Was it humanity or is it just the United States as a whole? I mean, is I mean he he's doing pushing things places? to other countries too. He's not doing just the here. same thing? Yeah. Yes, he is. Now, George at this point is pretty old. I mean, he's not, uh, you know, he's basically a bit senile at this point. But right, I mean, but he, the damage has been he, done. And, and he's, he, he's, a, he's very smart. Um, and he's very good at arbitrage. You know, famously, he uh, shorted the British pound. That's sort of how I, uh, I think he made his first uh, money was shorting the pound. Um, so he's, he's good at spotting, uh, basically, arbitrage, like spotting value for money that other people don't see. So uh, one of the things he noticed was that in it, it, that that the value for money in local races is much higher than it is in national races. So pause for just a moment. What is Elon? He, he sort of segued there. It might be a little confusing for those who didn't uh, either watch the full context of the show or perhaps haven't read uh, the articles about it like I have this morning. So let me just help you understand. When uh, he, he switched there from talking about how George Soros made his money to how George Soros is spending his money and what George Soros has learned about how to spend his many money in politics in order to affect the country. And this is a very fascinating revelation. Let's continue. The lowest value for money is a presidential race. Then next lowest value for money is a Senate race, then a Congress, and then, but once you get to sort of city and state district attorneys, um, the value for money is extremely good. And uh, Soros realized that you don't actually need to change the laws, you just need to change how they're enforced. If nobody chooses to enforce the law or the laws are differentially enforced, it's like changing the laws. That's I mean, Soros that is actually such an important point when you think about it. Give it up for Elon Musk. And he, I, I noticed that the chat is noticing what I noticed about this is that Elon Musk takes time to think before he speaks. That is so rare these days. People can just blah, 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 blah. And they don't take any time at all to give any thought to what it is they're saying. As a matter of fact, you might have noticed over the last several weeks since the conflict between Israel and Hamas broke out on October 7th, that I've actually, especially when I'm covering that topic, started to slow down my cadence on the program in order to ensure that I am being correct about what I'm saying because it's such a difficult and complicated topic. Elon Musk seems to do that with absolutely everything, and certainly he's an inspiration there. But what an, an important point that he makes when he talks about how effective, one, money that's being spent on politics can be uh, comparatively to the races of the top from president all the way down to like district attorney, for example, 
And so he gets way more bang for his buck uh, by manipulating the district attorney races. And certainly we've seen that here in the state of Missouri. We had a Soros-backed attorney uh, here in the state of Missouri who took down our former governor who uh, has caused chaos in St. Louis. I mean, St. Louis, Missouri is in, a, in many ways a microcosm of what has happened in San Francisco because of a Soros-elected uh, district attorney who allowed violent criminals to walk the streets and has turned St. Louis, a once beautiful city, uh, into the dangerous, crime-ridden territory that it is. And, and so these, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that more people are waking up to this. And, and I'm thankful that Elon Musk is saying this because just, you know, for all the talk about evil billionaires and evil rich people in the world, you know, there are at least a few of them that are the good guys. There are a few of them who are on our side. And I, I have to say, and I know that he's got a lot of critics and he's not perfect. You know, he supported Andrew Yang, which I thought was kind of dumb. And he probably thinks we need a universal basic in income and stuff. But I think, you know, you can't really gauge somebody just like I kind of look how I look at the founding fathers, for example. Right. Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. Right. But overall, was his legacy that of being a great man who did overall did more good than bad? Yeah, that's how I look at things. And I wonder if you see these things the same way as I do. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Send us a text 573-319-1586. You can also, of course, drop a comment in the chat. It's a lot harder for me to monitor the chat because I'm all alone here. And what I do is see my little phone case right there. Uh, you can get those phone cases with all the little neon machine guns at AP for Liberty shop, by the way. Uh, but I monitor the comments over there the best that I can, but it's really hard to keep all these plates spinning, obviously. So do me a favor. If you want to have your voice heard on the show, your voice, you can send us a text at 573-319-1586. So great clip there from Elon and goes to show that the problem that we have in this country really boils down to what's happening in our local elections. And you should be paying attention to your district attorney races, if you, especially if you live in a city. Pay attention to who your district attorney is being backed by and where the money is coming from, because that in itself probably is making an impact more than anything. Because what's the point of getting a legislature, uh, getting a legislator elected if the laws that are passed by that person that you, that you put all your time and energy in aren't being enforced? by your district attorney, right? The enforcement is really what matters at the end of the day, am I right? Anyways, I'd love to get your take on it again. That text number is 573-319-1586. Let's hear what he had to say about why he bought Twitter. What was that like? Because that, to me, that was the most bizarre, was the Twitter files. When you let Schellenberger yeah. and Matt Taibbi and all those guys get in the Twitter, and the, the response were, Matt Taibbi gets audited. I mean, which is just wild. I mean, it's just Damn. so blatant and so in your face. Yeah, it's weird. No, I, I mean, the yeah, the, the degree to which, and, and by the way, Jack didn't really know know this, but the degree to which Twitter was simply um, an arm of the government was not well understood by the public. And We're going to talk to Judge Napolitano about that a little bit later because Senator Rand Paul gave an epic takedown of the government being in bed with these social media agencies just yesterday. We've got the best news, the best guests, the best topics. Don't you just love the Wake Up America show? Then why haven't you clicked like and subscribed yet? What are you doing here? You know that this shit is fire. And uh, it, it was, there was no, it was whatever the official government, I mean, it was like Pravda, basically. Um, you know, it's a state publication is the way to think of old Twitter. It was a state publication. 
And was the justification from their perspective that they are progressive liberals, they have the right intentions, it's important that they stay in power, the progressive liberals stay in government and power? Because this yes. is the this is their there, there was there was uh Oz, I'm sorry I hate to keep interrupting because it's, it's, it is such good stuff but don't you just love seeing Joe Rogan sort of getting red pilled yesterday someone was uh, talking to me about how Joe Rogan sounds like one of us but it, the left the left hates him so much because they think he's one of us but really Joe Rogan is just kind of a, a moderate liberal Democrat. And I really think the thing that's holding Joe Rogan back from coming to our side and becoming one of us, one of us, the thing that's holding him back is just his lack of clear understanding of economics. Wasn't Joe Rogan also a Bernie Sanders supporter? And and that is the hardest thing to get people to buy into. It it truly is. It, getting people to accept free market economics, even on the right is a difficult proposition. Many people uh, that are conservatives absolutely do not support free markets. We have a commercial that plays on this show. If you'll watch it again next time uh, you see it, where Ronald Reagan is talking about his belief in freedom and free markets and libertarianism. And I, I intersperse it with quotes from like Marco Rubio and Yoram Hazoni and um, Sir, uh, I, I can't remember the, the third guy's name, but um, I interspersed with quotes of right-wing anti-capitalists, right, that are against the free market. And the reason why it's so difficult for people to accept free market economics is because so many of the solutions to our problems are counterintuitive. I mean, think about the problems of San Francisco, for example. You would think in order to solve poverty, just give money to the poor people. Just, just take money away from the rich people and give it to the poor people and you'll have solved the problem. But the solution is counterintuitive. No, actually, that's not the way to solve the problem. That and we also need to enforce laws against actual crimes. But I digress. And I know you really want to hear this interview. So I'll, I'll try to interrupt the least amount possible. But just remember, when I'm interrupting, I'm also avoiding copyright strikes. Basically, oppression of um, any any views that would even, I would say, be considered middle of the road. Um, but certainly anything on the the right. I'm not talking about like like far right, I'm just talking mildly right, the people, like Republicans were suppressed at 10 times the rate of Democrats. Mm. Um, now, that's because uh, old Twitter was fundamentally controlled by the far left. It was, like, completely controlled by the, the, the far left. Republicans were suppressed at 10 times the rate that liberals were. Elon Musk. Elon, thank you. Thank you for buying Twitter. Thank you for saying these things. Uh, bless it. I was just talking to my brother, Justin Peterson, yesterday about people getting red-pilled. He was telling me a story about a a, a, um, a woman in his life, a gay Jewish woman, who uh, has seen these uh, these Democrats that she normally hangs, that she normally trucks with, and has seen them coming out and supporting left, to, supporting terrorism, supporting Hamas, like the murder, supporting the murder of Jewish uh, innocents. And she's like, Ah, uh, I feel like I don't have a home anymore. He says that apparently she's been watching Fox News for the last few weeks. So I got to say, some lessons are learned only the hard way. And we are going to talk to Will Scharf about that at 8 a.m. Central Time today. He's going to be joining us here in just about 30 minutes. However, coming up next, I've got Remzo Martinez. Women walked out of a jujitsu tournament, said they're not going to compete because they have to fight against transgender women, which is really biological men. Trans women are con men. 
Well, looks like things are starting to change. My martial artist buddy, Judoka Remzo Martinez. When we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. How are you guys feeling today? Good? No. What? Cold? It's cold outside, but it's hot in here, baby. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. Maybe you guys need to do a little bit of exercise when you wake up in the morning. Get your blood flowing. Have a cup of Founding Flavors coffee, exclusively available at apforlibertyshop.com. Then do what I do. Hit the mats. Roll around a little bit. You know, do some karate, maybe a little bit of jujitsu. My next guest is a judoka himself. I always thought that that was just for judo guys, but apparently the jujitsu boys who like to roll around and get sweaty with other dudes, <laughs> they also call themselves judoka as well. My next guest is Remzo Martinez, who's joining us live right now. Good morning, Remzo. Austin, thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here. I know you've been a martial arts practitioner for quite some time. You practice jujitsu. So when I saw uh, that you had an interest in this story, I guess you wrote about this as well. Kind of a fascinating story and probably a good sign. Women refuse to participate in a jujitsu tournament to fight against the boys. What's the what's the headline here? You know, this is a story that when I saw it, it warms my heart. Um, the North American Grappling Association, NAGA, they, they've been putting on tournaments for almost 28, 27 years. And in the martial arts community, you haven't seen a lot of the transgender issues pop up like you have in soccer, uh, wrestling, other sports. Uh, rugby in Canada. Rebel News went ahead and showed this dude just completely decking women in Ottawa a couple months ago. So what you basically happen had happened was in this uh, purple and brown belt women's division at a NAGA tournament on October 21st, you had several men who choose to live their lives as women enter this tournament. Now, how you choose to live your life, I think we'd both agree. Go ahead and do your thing. No harm, no foul. Just you do you. I do me. We all live in harmony, all that jazz that we're supposed to believe. But these dudes, dudes, biological men went ahead and entered the women's division. Nobody thought that there was anything fishy because they, you know, one of their names was Alice and the other one had a female name. It wasn't until they showed up and people started looking into it that these dudes started wrecking these women. And mind you, these women are not just like brand new to jujitsu. They're not dirty white belts or folks that just entered a local tournament. They're purple belts. They're brown belts. They've been doing this for five to eight years. So these dudes come in, wreck these women. One of them had a 35 pound weight advantage and they're walking out with these medals. So people start learning about that and they're like, that's not cool. So come the October 21st NAGA tournament, women start to see these dudes enter again and they're like, no mods, this is over. This is ridiculous. How are we supposed to actually compete fairly? How are we supposed to have a competition filled with integrity if these grown biological real men are completely demolishing these women and taking the awards that are meant for them. You love to see it. I mean, the thing is this, Remzo, is I have seen one of my favorite types of video that I love to watch on YouTube are like cocky fighters who don't know what they're doing. Or like, like you'll get like um, um, muscle builders, right? So that will walk into like a, a gym and they'll do like a dojo storm and they'll be like, I can beat up this black belt because I'm just jacked and I've got muscles. 
and they walk, they don't know what they're walking around. I watched this one last night. Maybe I'll find the clip and play it later. And this jujitsu black belt was just slapping this guy around as he was rolling him around on the mat. Hilarious stuff, right? And then I've seen, I've seen purple belt females do the same thing to guys who have no training. However, if you have two people, a male and a female, and they're both about the same in training, for example, but you've got a man who's got a 40 pound weight advantage. It doesn't matter, does it? No. And I mean, especially in jujitsu, where it's one of the few martial arts out there that will admit that your body shape and your size do, in fact, matter. Now, to, to your point, I get yes. my, you know, I get my face dragged across the mat by women smaller than me all the time. They're also women who, you know, we're playing only by jujitsu rules. They're blue belts. They're purple belts. Of course, when we're playing by those rules and we're doing that, you know, they're going to beat me, but it's harder. Why? Because I'm way heavier than them. I've got more muscle mass. I've got more fat than these women who are 5'4", you know, buck 75. So you look at the situation and it's like, how, how is it fair? How do you look at this and say, it's okay to have grown men who are equal skill come and take these awards that are meant for women? So competition is to show how you are amongst your peers, your equals, the people that put in the time with you, the people that are as close to you as possible so you can really look at the technical skill. How do you do it? You bring these men in. And it completely changes the factor. World Aquatics, the, the World International uh, Swim Association, they went ahead and had this issue with female swimmers. Everyone knows the Riley Gaines uh, NCAA situation that happened a couple of years against Leah Thomas. So what does World Aquatics do? They say, you know what we're going to do to protect the integrity of the women's division? We're going to go ahead and have an open division for everyone who identify as whatever, horses, whatever you want to you know, come as you are, you can swim. Zero people entered at Austin. They what? kept it open for several months. Zero people entered, and then they shut it down. What wow. does that say when no men want to compete against women and vice versa? Hmm. Maybe no they did it because they wanted the advantage, but I'm not saying that. That is hilarious and a really good uh, bit of information. I had no idea. Let's say thank you to Remzo Martinez by clicking that like button and subscribing to this channel. You're watching the Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We stream this show live every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Remzo Martinez. And somebody was correcting me in the chat. They said that you don't, as jujitsu practitioners, call yourself judoka. Is that is that correct? Yeah, it also, you know, jujitsu is weird. We want everything to be about us. It's jujitsuka. And then you got have the guys who start judo and then go to jujitsu and then they can still call themselves judoka. You know, it started with uh, Carlos Gracie almost about 100 years ago. And the and the guy he went to go learn uh, jujitsu from from in Japan, I think he learned it in uh, Tokyo or Kyoto, one of those. Uh, he was like, you know, what what is this jujitsu stuff? And he was like, it's all judo. So <laughs> it's it's funny when you look at it. But yeah, no, ju judoka, jujitsuka depends who you talk to. Okay, well, thank you for the correction. I appreciate that one. Yeah, the the names that we call ourselves in each of our like respective martial arts usually they, they don't fall trippingly on the tongue. Typically, like for uh, for karate, it's karateka. It's, you know, it uh, everything ends with ka, but it's like, like, no one knows what the hell you're saying if you say you're a karateka. You, you want to get really, you want to get really in the weeds. You know, Joe Rogan's favorite guy, Eddie Bravo, he's trying to start a thing where it's like, there's no longer Brazilian jiu-jitsu in North America. It's just American jiu-jitsu because Americans oh. introduced more catch wrestling 
and other stuff like that. Yes. There's much more of like, you know, you're, you're going to see Americans doing heel hooks. You heel hook a Brazilian at a Gracie school. They're going to be like, oh, are we playing by prison rules now? <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I've only done a little bit of jujitsu and, and judo. My my in, entire martial arts career has been mostly spent amongst like the different types of Japanese and, and Okinawan karate. So I haven't um, I, I haven't been able to get into the uh, the jujitsu stuff just as yet because Damn, that shit's expensive, man. I'll tell you. Um, let me, let me uh, tell you this though, Austin. Once you go jujitsu, you don't go back. No, you got to know a little bit. And I did American wrestling, obviously in in high school, which is you know similar and pretty brutal. I think I heard Joe Rogan saying once he thought that American wrestling was like the hardest, but not just be, not necessarily because it was most technically difficult, but because they train the hardest. But you know, we don't want to get into who's got the best uh, martial arts here. I'd like to actually go back to what we were talking about. Uh, with, you know, transgender men, or I guess, you know, men trying to compete against women in, in some of these jujitsu tournaments. I mean, no, in, in no other sport really is there as blatant a difference in, in between biological men and biological women as martial arts, right? And it, it not only is it unfair, but I mean, in my mind, it seems criminal, right? It's, it's almost assault. I mean, if you did this outside of a gym, you would spend years in like a supermax prison, the things that you do to a, a female. But somehow, for some reason, people are willing to suspend their disbelief. I mean, what is this mindset? This, I mean, this woke mind virus that I've been talking about this morning, like it's infecting everybody. At least some people seem to be waking up though, right? You, you know, it's it's this habit of wanted self-destruction. Um, you know, you were talking about Joe Rogan in your previous segment. Joe's just a he's a lefty like he's a dude who will always be a lefty because that's his identity. And you're starting to see this now where people that would typically identify as progressive, you know, liberal, whatever left moniker they want to throw on there. They're starting to look at this and they're just like, what the heck is going on? Bill Maher is one of those people who has just completely drawn the ire of the trans community. Uh, one of my favorite features female athletes is ebony bridges she's the wbc i think featherweight female world champion she's an australian who currently lives in england and uh you know everyone knows her for her way in she shows up in lingerie beautiful woman uh, sponsored by only fans obviously and uh she was asked a couple months ago and it it took like a week to enter fox news because then everyone started going after her the trans community had you know the alphabet mafia had a new crowd to go after they had her to focus on and she basically was asked you know what do you think of trans athletes and she's like i'm not gonna fight a man and this is a woman who packs a punch. She's a seriously deadly boxer. I would not want to fight her in a boxing match. But she was like, you know, what if I show up one day and I'm fighting against Mike Tyson in a wig? Like, that's not fair. He's going to freaking kill me. They went after her. You know, um, the uh, the oh, um, South Park episode where it's like Rowdy Roddy Piper or something is like, like, I'm ready to fight. Let's I'm going to wreck girl. these women, brother. I mean, it's it's just like that. Amanda Serrano, who just, you know, retained her title as the undisputed, um, you know, a featherweight boxing champion amongst women, you know, really tough lady would not want to fight a man. So, I mean, you have these female athletes who are at the top of their game who are being asked these questions and they're saying this and then suddenly people are surprised it's like oh you you know i think it was uh oh shoot i'm i'm forgetting it was uh keith olbermann keith olbermann said this to riley Gaines about something trans related and he was like well maybe you're just not good at the, good of a swimmer as the men it's like really you're gonna tell people like ebony bridges who just completely like demolishes people for a living that she's not as good as somebody who is like 
three feet bigger than her, three feet taller than her, a hundred pounds heavier than her. Stop with the stop with the BS. Come on. You can always come on, tell. man. You can come on, man. Come on, you can, man. You, you can always tell by the way somebody talks that they've never jumped in a pool. They've never stepped on a mat. They've never stepped up to a plate in their entire life. This these snooty, effete, leftist intellectuals who th- who have reasoned themselves into insanity on this issue. They they have never had these experience. There's I tell you, there's nothing like, and you I'm sure you can attest, Remzo. I mean, you've probably been punched in the face. Like most men that I know that are like masculine men who are reasonable have been punched in the face a few times. And it's probably one of the best lessons that you can ever learn is getting submitted on the mat, choked out until you're unconscious or getting punched in the face as hard as possible. Probably one of life's best lessons, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And especially in martial arts, you're you're never going to get far unless you get your ego checked over yes. and over and over again. And when I see this, it's like, you know, this is this is wrong. You know, I I, I used to say that Barry Bonds uh, biggest sin was that he just wasn't honest about the steroids. We probably could have steroids baseball division by now. It's like if you want to have your own thing where you set the rules, go ahead and do that. Uh, you know, Jorge Masvidal's game bred boxing doesn't do a lot of the drug testing, not because people are taking anabolic steroids, but because they wanted to take, uh, you know, uh, muscle building supplements that USADA would not approve of. So Masvidal was like, screw that. As long as everyone understands what the rules are, take it or don't take, you know, the super Chinese creatine or whatever like that. Like if you're if you're straight about the rules, you can get away with a lot. But, you know, I go back to that World Aquatics Open Division. Why didn't any women enter it? Why didn't any men enter it? That was really telling. You know, I go back to Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas was at the bottom of the rankings amongst uh, male swimmers until Will Thomas became Leah Thomas. And next, you know, Will's taking home all the trophies. Am I saying there's an ulterior motive for that? Yeah, because everything shows that. Okay, so here's the thing. So let's say that we're right and that they really they just want to be able to win at something. They just want to get the trophies. What do you have that mindset that you're going to fight? You're going to fight so hard for something. You're going to compete. You're going to try and get the trophy in the first place. But then like lie to yourself and be able to be like, oh, yeah, I definitely earned this. I mean, Elon Musk is right. It is a mind virus, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Remzo Martinez. Hey, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners or plug before we let you run today? Nope. Go ahead and find me on X at Hey Remzo. That's H-E-Y-R-E-M-S-O. I write for Bounding into Sports at BoundingIntoSports.com. And, uh, you know, everyone should get on the mats. Doesn't matter what martial arts you do. It'll help you in life. Exactly. It's like like our buddy said over there in the chat. He says, boom, you're right. He says that uh, BJJ keeps your ego in check. For sure. Remzo Martinez. Thank you very much. Should we, should we call you a judoka or are you a jujitsoka? Jujitsoka. Thank you very much for that correction today. We learned something new. Talk to you again real soon, Remzo. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Austin. Have a great day. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you again soon. What do you think of Remzo Martinez? 70% of the restaurants in LA at one point. Wow. Not COVID, I should say. Policies. <laughs> well, lockdowns. The mind virus. I mean, it's like just crazy. Yeah. Um, well, that's so. why I moved here. One, one of the reasons why I moved here is we came here in May of 2020 and you could go indoors and eat in restaurants. And yeah. And my kids who were pretty young at the time, 10 and 12, they were like, we want to live here. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, they're freaked out. Like LA was weird. 
Yeah, I mean, for, for most of COVID, I was actually in South Texas building this this uh, Starship factory, um, and you know, we were just yeah, no mass, no nothing, just building a factory, building rockets, and, uh, and then you know, they would have uh, teams from California visit, all masked up, <laughs> and uh, they'd freak out that we don't have masks, and we're like, we're still alive, man. Yeah. So, um, did you lose anybody? Did anybody from your factory die of COVID? Not that I'm aware of. No. COVID got no masks and nobody from his factory died of COVID. Gotta love it. Good morning. If you're just tuning in to the Wake Up America show, I'm Austin Peterson. Thanks so much for joining us here. Have you clicked that like button yet? If you've been watching the show and especially if you've been enjoying the content, we'd love to earn your subscribe today. I know that for a lot of busy people in the morning, they don't necessarily have time to fiddle with their devices because I know you're getting ready for your, your kids for school. And I know you're super busy, but just think about it. If you're really enjoying this content, you don't want to lose us and forget who we are. So you can come back tomorrow morning and get this great content five days a week. We produce the Wake Up America show, two hours of great liberty-centric content, keeps you up to date. We're also ahead of the mainstream media with what's going on in the world. You're hearing this, this content before most of your friends are, so you're going to be more informed than everybody else. So I, it's definitely worth your while to click that subscribe button right now and come back and join us uh, for uh, the Monday through Friday schedule. We've got tons of great guests and content left to go. I thought Remzo was terrific, don't you? We'd love to hear your voice. Send us some text. It's at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Kim McCurry says that she does have exercise in the morning. Get the kids bottle ready first. Coffee if I have time, but First, a load, a load of dishes, first a load of laundry, and housework is exercise, though I need to do something for my core. Good for you, Kim. You're my hero. You can weigh in, too, at 573-319-1586. Short and salt. First time I've seen them over on the Rumble Chat. Good morning. Said my liberal sister sent everyone in her space masks made out of T-shirts. LOL. Bless her heart. That's funny. American Sun 76, first time I've seen you as well, says, I smiled out loud in 2020 in New York City. They weren't happy with me. Boy, that's fascinating because my wife and I, we went to Japan in end of February, March, and um, we didn't wear masks the entire time that we were in Japan. They had just lifted. It wasn't a mandate, but the recommendation from the government to, to wear a mask, but everybody for the, a lot of people, not absolutely everybody in Japan, but most people were still wearing masks in public places. However, they didn't force everybody to wear masks. Of course, J Japan is such a different culture from the United States that they're just more compliant anyway. Like they all, because it's a monoculture, they all tend to uh, uh, operate in that sort of monoculture way, right? It's very homogenous. So they, I say, do what they're told. It, it, that's a bad thing, but it works for them, right? It doesn't necessarily work in the United States, obviously, one, because we love liberty way more than we love being told what to do, <laughs> uh, and two, because we're not a monoculture here in the United States, something completely different. But I liked the fact that they weren't mask fascists, right? They weren't looking at my wife and I weird, right? We didn't want to wear masks. We wanted to experience Japan the, the, the healthy way, the actual healthy way, which is to breathe clean, fresh, pure air. Um, but nobody treated us poorly, and we had a really great time. And I highly recommend, if you've never been to Japan, to definitely take a trip. They love Americans. 
And if you even just learn the tiniest amount of Japanese and you use your Google Translator well, they will treat you like gold. It's like 1980s Japan, America, like relationships. Like if you just learn a little bit of Japanese, you know, uh, konnichiwa, uh, domo arigato gozaimasu, kurasai, onegashimasu, uh, you know, sumimasen, or things like that. Just learn the basics. Excuse me, sumimasen, choto, sumimasen ga. Just learn a little bit and they will treat you like gold. Just a little bit of uh, stuff for you there. Uh, most in Japan wear masks when they have a cold, says Katie556. That is also true. Yes. Anyways, I really like that clip there from Rogan and um, Elon Musk. Uh, the next clip that I have for you here is um, Musk talking about fighting Mark Zuckerberg. What happened? So Instagram has not only banned me from promoting this artwork, but also shadow banned me altogether after I posted my latest piece. This is after probably you said that you wanted to fight Zucker. Well, actually, I was just the Zuck fight. fight is funny um, because uh, you know he was posting all these fight videos, and then someone on Twitter at the time said, um, "Hey, you should fight Zuck." And I said, "Well, I'm willing to fight if he if he is." Um, and um, it's like and high then school. Zuck posted, uh, I think on Instagram or something, uh, name the place or something, something like that effect. Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, how about the Vegas Octagon?" <laughs> um and then um and then uh italy actually was willing to let us use the coliseum so then i was like well let's can't turn that down you know that's a shame um, that that didn't happen and then um but then and then i was like well if it's gonna be in the coliseum you know we're not like i like your side note not to just pat myself on the back or anything but you notice that microphone that elon musk is using right there does that look familiar at all mm -hmm. austin pat yourself on the back you're so awesome yeah same microphone kv andy says that in central missouri if they asked me to put a mask on or enter a bit to enter a building i just turned around and walked out good for you brother appreciate you freedom fighter to the core elon musk talked about uh his new cyber truck and his appearance on the joe rogan podcast last night as yeah, well we're trying right now if you want i wish i had it with me uh <coughs> I don't. Is it at your house or something? Yeah. Talking about his bow and arrow. We could no. do the demo tonight. That would be interesting. Yeah, I'll walk. I'll, maybe I'll drive back with an arrow sticking out of my car. I bet I can get in there. Okay, I'll bet you can't. Really? Yeah, I'll bet your dollar. Damn. <laughs> I think we should do it. Uh, absolutely. Okay. When you want to do it right now? Yeah, I can do it right now. Okay, let's do it right now. It's right now. Fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Sick. We'll rip so Joe Rogan's gonna go get 20. his bow and arrow. Just like what? And he's gonna try to shoot an arrow in into the Tesla Cybertruck. Alright, this is awesome. Look at him smoking a cigar. He's like Tony Stark. You know, have the arrow come back in. I mean just beware of ricochets. Like, <laughs> Rogan thinks he can shoot an arrow into the cyber truck. <laughs> He's saying, Musk is saying, shoot it at a slight angle. You know what I mean? There you go, watch. Boom, exploded. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> so we shot the arrow at the cyber truck. If you're listening to the audio lately, you're not able to get the visual. I'm going to narrow it. Uh, narrate. Look at that. Broke the arrow. Yeah. Those yeah, arrows are tough, too. The arrow. Look at the tip of the broadhead. Oh, I'm going to do it. That's the 
Nice. Hey, cutie. <laughs> Thank you. Well, now we know. So uh, we uh, just shot an arrow. So they just shot an arrow at the Cybertruck, and it didn't make its way through. Uh, moving on, my next guest is going to be Will Sharp. We're going to talk to him in a couple minutes. Some lessons that the Democrats learn are brutal and hard, posted my friend Commander Phil Labonte. This is Mayim Bialik talking about the surprise that she's experienced from the anti-Semitic Marxist left. Uh, she's a Jewish Democrat. Take a listen. I'm disappointed in many institutions I have always held sacred. And the lack of humanity is devastating. The notion that this is a comeuppance for the Jewish people, that's what you get. What did you think decolonialism would look like? What did you think decolonialism would I did not look like? think it looked like decapitated babies. Are you stupid or something? And disemboweled humans and raped women being paraded around the streets while thousands cheer. How could you be so blind? And I didn't think it looked like tens of thousands of people marching in solidarity with the actions of a terrorist organization whose sole purpose is to eliminate not the Jewish state, but the Jewish people. The more you know, there you go. Um, I am Bialik says that she didn't know what decolonialism would look like. She didn't know what decolonization would look like. Let me tell you something. If you think that the left would react any differently if it were done, if this was done to right-wing conservatives and libertarians, people like you and I, if you think that they would react any differently, you're, a, you're, a, you're fooling yourself as much as Mayim Bialik has been fooling herself, okay? The, what, what Hamas did to Jewish babies, Jewish women, Jewish civilians in, in Israel, what Hamas did to them, the left would openly celebrate it being done to us here in the United States the same way. They would not care. They would not care. They support unequivocally what Hamas has done to the Jews in Israel. And I promise you that the students in the college campuses around this country, the Marxist leftists in this country who are marching in support and solidarity with Palestine, they would be equally as proud and happy and demonstrate and cheer and they would be doing the exact same thing if it was happening to you or I. Change my mind, a la Steven Crowder. All right, coming up next, we've got Will Sharp who's going to respond to that. Jewish millionaires and billionaires pulling their grant money from these institutions. Some college students actually getting arrested for making terroristic threats, saying they're going to they're going to rape and murder their fellow American citizens who are Jews. Talk about that when we get back. Don't go away on the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and grateful to have you here. Click that like button, subscribe to the channel. If it's your first time watching and listening to us today, come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. The Wake Up America Show streams live. Great way to start your day. Have a cup of Founding Flavors coffee from the AP for Liberty shop. And let's rock and roll. Cornell University student threatened to stab and rape Jewish students and shoot up the school. The alleged threats alarmed students and 
has focused a lot more national attention on the rise in anti-Semitism since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. Joining us now to discuss is Will Scharf. He's a former federal prosecutor, and he's a current candidate for attorney general of the state of Missouri. Joining us now. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Great to be with you, Austin. Thanks so much for having me. Well, you saw that clip that I played uh, from Mayim Bialik, where, you know, as a lefty Dem, she says that she is surprised and shocked. She didn't think that this is what decolonization would look like. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, look, I think a lot of uh, a lot of leftists, particularly a lot of leftist Jews, I think you know that, you know, I come from an observant Jewish background, uh, have been really surprised to see people that they thought were their friends turn on them so aggressively in the last couple of weeks. The intersectional left, this new woke left, is a deeply, deeply dangerous movement, totally at variance with American traditions, American principles, American ideals. And uh, I think the, the events of the last few weeks have been a real wake-up call. As Mayim Bialik said, you know, the idea that, that leftists in America should be cheering uh, babies being burned in ovens, women being raped, just these terrible atrocities uh, we saw from Hamas just a few weeks ago. It's a, it's a real wake-up call for a lot of people. And I'm hopeful that this will lead to an abandonment of the woke left by a lot of people who, uh, you know, may feel betrayed by, by what's going on, by uh, what they're seeing on college campuses and in these demonstrations around the country. I'm seeing it out there and I'm hearing it out there. I'm hearing from my friends in Boston and San Francisco. I'm hearing from them in Florida. They're saying that their Jewish friends are asking them about how to buy a gun, how to use a gun. Uh, one Jewish friend of mine says that she's been watching Fox News for the first time in her life for the last three weeks. She is a, a gay Jewish Democrat. And she says that the behavior of her friends in not only just marching in favor pro-Palestine, but actually celebrating the the wanton murder of Jewish civilians yeah. in Israel as as the most heinous thing that she's ever imagined. She never saw it coming. But it, it, in some ways, what we're seeing is a Jewish it, it's a civil war and Jewish Democrats are they're going to have to wake up to what's going on uh, uh, on the left. I mean, I don't know why they didn't know it before, but certainly this has got to be an inflection point, hasn't it? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think you look at college campuses in particular, and you have Jewish kids who are marching for every leftist cause, who have been involved in every leftist cause, who now feel as though they're in real physical danger. You know, there was this case at Cornell where a, a kid uh, basically threatened to kill a bunch of Jewish students. Uh, I mean, this is what they're dealing with, and I hope it's a wake-up call. You know, you mentioned uh, Jews watching Fox News for the first time. I like to say that Fox News is a gateway drug uh, to, to uh, you know, more right-wing news outlets like Newsmax or like your show. Uh, hopefully it continues. I think it's been a long time coming. You know, in the 2020 election, 2016 election, we saw record numbers of Jews uh, vote Republican, primarily Orthodox or more observant Jews. Uh, I'm hopeful that this is start of a, this, this is the start of a a much wider trend, though, of Jews discovering uh, just how at variance uh, with our core principles the modern left has gotten. You know, here in St. Louis, obviously, we have Cori Bush. She's she's my congresswoman. Just an absolute disgrace. You know, her comments uh, equating Hamas's terrorism with with really with anything uh, would be a disgrace. 
Uh, she's now getting primaried. I think the Jewish community is going to be lockstep against her in a way that it wasn't when she first ran for office. Uh, I'm hopeful that this is the start of something new, uh, that people see what see the left for what it really is and what it's become. So less from a principled perspective, more from a practical perspective. I can imagine Joe Biden is really in hot water at the moment because of his open support for Israel's right to defend himself. And you've got the squad, the you know pro-Hamas uh, leftists who are in Congress, right? The Rashida Tlaibs, the Ilhan Omars, for example, who are not happy with the commander in chief. I mean, you know, far be it from me to, to use something evil and turn it into good necessarily, but this might prove an opening for Republicans in next year's elections, including the one you're running in. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think Joe Biden's in a tough position. His base are these radical woke leftists. Uh, so far, he's been pretty measured, although he hasn't really been willing to confront Iran in any meaningful way. His administration, I think, is still hopeful that they can achieve some sort of rapprochement with the, the deeply evil regime led by the Ayatollahs in Iran. But if Joe goes too far in support of Israel, if he does what he should do, he's going to lose a lot of support in his base. And if he doesn't go far enough in his support of Israel, he risks really alienating the Jewish community, which could significantly expand the electoral map. You think even of states like New Jersey and New York, where if Joe loses a significant percentage of, uh, of Jewish voters, those states are competitive in a way that they probably haven't been in decades. You know, just a couple of years ago, we saw a New Jersey governor's race come down to the wire. I mean, if the Jews in Lakewood and elsewhere in that state had voted Republican, we'd have a Republican governor in New Jersey today. Uh, so I think the left is is in a real pickle. And it's a it's a situation of their own making that they've stapled together this coalition of, of parties, of, of people who really don't share all that much in common. And I, I think these events in Israel have really brought home the fact uh, that the Democrat Party of today is not the Democrat Party of yesteryear. Uh, that the principles of the woke left are not American principles. They're not broadly applicable uh, or not broadly acceptable to a, a huge swath of American voters. Uh, and I think the left is going to pay for it at the ballot box. I think that these acts of terrorism and the rabid anti-Semitism and the, the, uh, the vicious attacks uh, against Jews around the world is part of the reason why Israel exists? Yeah, look, I think the, the, the purpose of the state of Israel is providing a homeland for the Jewish people uh, who have faced oppression, faced tyranny, uh, faced exactly these sort of massacres and pogroms uh, throughout our history. I think people understand that now more than ever before, including people in Israel. You know, Israel has been through a tumultuous time in the last few years, a tumultuous time politically. Uh, but Israel today, is it appears, more united now than ever before. Uh, there's a just a broad consensus that uh, these sorts of acts that Hamas committed, you know, we say never again. Uh, that's uh, th that's true now more than ever before. Uh, but here in America, I think you're seeing Jews wake up to the fact that we don't have a home on the intersectional left, that the intersectional left would much rather pal around with Hamas terrorists uh, than than stand up for innocent civilians butchered in their beds. Uh, I think it's just so ironic that you see, you know, LGBT activists protesting for Hamas, where if they went to Gaza, they'd probably be executed. It's uh, it's just such a crazy time that we're living in. And I think this situation in Israel has really crystallized that for a lot of people.
for sure. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Click the like and subscribe button and join us on the show every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. If you'd like to have your voice heard, you can send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show live uh, anytime, actually, night or day at 573-319-1586. I'm currently speaking to Missouri Attorney General candidate Will Scharf. He's also a former a federal prosecutor as well. Uh, it's hard to see into the future. It's difficult to uh, you know, make predictions, Will, but I wonder what you think Donald Trump might be doing if he were president now or what the situation might be foreign policy-wise if he does take over again next year. You know, it's worth remembering that back in, in just 2020, just a couple of years ago, uh, under the Trump administration, we had successfully deterred Iran. Uh, that the sanctions had really crippled the Iranian regime, crippled their ability to export terrorism abroad. When the Iranians did pop up and attack American interests uh, in the Middle East, Trump killed their top general, Qasem Soleimani, in, in, in view of the whole world in a, in a, a really public, uh, pr- pretty, pretty devastating way. Uh, I think that's the sort of foreign policy that leads to positive results in the Middle East, that leads to things Uh, like the Abraham Accords, you know, uh, just totally unprecedented peacemaking uh, between Israel and Arab countries. The Biden administration from day one has continued the failed policies of the Obama administration, basically paying off the Iranians in the hope for better behavior. And what they've seen in contrast to those expectations, those, I I think, silly expectations, uh, are an increasingly empowered Iran uh, causing just chaos in in that whole region, uh, and funding groups like Hamas and Hezbollah, who are who are obviously responsible uh, for just the most devastating atrocities I think the world has seen in a long time. I think if Trump were president today, Iran would justifiably be scared that if they engaged in activities like these, uh, they would face serious ramifications, uh, including the the use of of appropriate American military power. Uh, And I think it's highly unlikely that these events would have unfolded the way that we've all seen them unfold. Anti-Semitism is not just a problem on the left. We sometimes see these things happening on the right. It's been something that I've been documenting for going back about 13 years now. I remember uh, in 2010, actually, I sat down in New York City for dinner with a, a young couple. Uh, and uh, I actually chronicled this story on my website. It's called Dinner with a Nazi. Uh, And when I sat down with him, I had a conversation uh, about the the, uh, Federal Reserve Bank. We were talking about, you know, my loathing for fractional reserve banking and my desire to end the Fed, uh, of which he strenuously agreed with me, but not for the reasons that uh, that I wanted to get rid of them. But he saw this as a Jewish banking conspiracy. Uh, Anti-Semitism is an ancient hatred, but it manifests itself in different forms, not just amongst the, the Marxists who generally hate uh, Jews because of Jewish intellectualism that makes people who uh, the left wants to keep as peasants, it makes them feel like perhaps there's a better life. Jewish capitalism and Jewish intellectualism makes people who live in poor countries feel very uncomfortable with the tyrannical socialist dictators who want to keep them poor so they can be more easily controlled. But more closer to, uh, to uh, to our worldview lies the actual national socialist will, people who who we see sometimes uh, we can write off as cranks from now and then, but there is also a threat of anti-Semitism from the right, is there not? 
Yeah, I think that's true. The, the difference is that I think the anti-Semitic voices on the right uh, are really at the margins, whereas the anti-Semitic voices uh, on the left today are are at the core of modern leftism. I mean, the idea that you have a significant portion of the Democrat caucuses in both the House and Senate uh, who view th- there being a moral equivalence uh, between I- Israel's acting in its own self-defense and Hamas literally butchering babies and women in their beds, uh, that's really scary. When you think about what's going on on college campuses in America, uh, the real anti-Semitism is all on the left. The anti-Semitism that's making college campuses uh, essentially unlivable for Jewish students is on the left. You know, I've been all over the state of Missouri. I hang out with a lot of really right-wing people. I mean, that's the, the, those are those are my people. That's that's uh, you know, the, those are my friends. Uh, I've heard almost no, if, if any, anti-Semitism on the right in my time here in Missouri. Uh, but you talk to Cori Bush and her people, and it's just it suffuses everything that they do. It suffuses everything that they say. Uh, and I think American Jews are waking up to the fact that uh, you know liberal Jews have been focused on the wrong enemy here. Uh, that you can talk about Nazism, you can talk about these very marginal voices on the right, or you can talk about a, a mainstream political movement. Uh, that views our lives as expendable and that views terrorism uh, against Jews, uh, essentially the idea that that uh, what we really need in Israel is another Holocaust, that views those sorts of uh, those sorts of ideas as acceptable or desirable. Uh, I mean, it's really, really scary stuff, Austin. And the fact that uh, that the left has allowed things to get to where they are is is really scary. Absolutely agree. Will, you're running for attorney general here in the state of Missouri, former federal prosecutor. You're a rock-solid conservative fighting for the principles that you believe in. Where can people find out more information about your campaign? And is there anything else you'd like to share before we let you go? You know, you can find us on on all social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Truth Social, at Will Scharf. Uh, our website is votescharf.com. Uh, I, I just, I appreciate you having me on, Austin. These have been very, very difficult weeks. I would just ask those of your uh, viewers and listeners who are so inclined to uh, spare a prayer for the the people of the state of Israel who are living through uh, just really difficult, trying times. And I think we all need to hope that uh, that this new war in the Middle East comes to a, a successful, positive conclusion. For sure. Very, thank, thank you very much for your time, Will. We appreciate you very much and good luck in your campaign. Always great to join you, Austin. Thanks a lot. And you as well. And the, the response were, Matt Taibbi, what was that like? Because that, to me, that was the most bizarre, was the Twitter files. When you let Schellenberger yeah. and Matt Taibbi and all those guys get in the Twitter, and the, the response were, Matt Taibbi gets audited. I mean, which is just wild. I mean, it's just so blatant and so in your face. Yeah, it's weird. No, I, I mean... The degree, yeah, the, the degree to which, and, and by, by the way, Jack didn't really know know this, but the degree to which Twitter was simply um, an arm of the government was not well understood by the public. And uh, it, it was, there was no, it was whatever the official government, I mean, it was like Pravda, basically. Um, you know, it's a state publication is the way to think of old Twitter. It was a state publication. And was the justification from their perspective that they are progressive liberals they have the right intentions it's important that they stay in power the progressive liberals stay in government and power 
because this is the this is their there, there was there was uh, basically oppression of um, any any views that would even I would say be considered middle of the road, um, but certainly anything on the the right. I'm not talking about like like far right. I'm just talking mildly right. The people like Republicans were suppressed at ten times the rate of Democrats. Um, now that's because uh, old Twitter was fundamentally controlled by the far left. It was like completely controlled by the the, the far left. So crazy stuff there, Joe Rogan on uh, Elon Musk on Joe Rogan's show last night. Republicans were suppressed at ten times the rate that liberals were on Twitter. Got another news story. Speaking of right wing, central banks have loaded up on more gold than previously thought this year, offering crucial support to prices that have faced pressure from global tightening. That's right. Central banks' gold binge is even better than previously thought. Now, you know that AP here is no fan of central banks, but that doesn't mean that I underestimate them. That doesn't mean that I think that they're stupid. They absolutely are not. And if you, if the central banks are loading up on gold, well, there's a reason for that. And maybe it's a good time for you to get some yourself. Call my friends over at Lear Capital at 1-800-885-2175. That's 1-800-885-2175. Call that number, 1-800-885-2175. Here's the deal. You can get that $500 account credit for your first gold purchase if you call that number. Some of you may be like, I just want to learn about how to invest in gold and silver. Someone was asking me the other day about gold stocks, physical metals, gold IRAs. A lot of those questions are going to be answered in that free info packet at learaustin.com. Visit it right now. Type it into your browser. Get that gold and silver packet delivered to your door. I promise you that they are not going to spam you. They're not going to call you a million times and, and bug the hell out of you. They're just going to call you maybe once. And that's been our experience and our friends' experience, the people that we recommend Lear Capital to as a way to safeguard their financial future. So don't worry about it. It's no biggie. Just head over to LearAustin.com. They'll send you that gold and silver packet. I'm not the biggest fan of gold stocks. God, it's hard not to dance when you hear this. But if you want to get serious today, go ahead and get that $500 account credit. You don't even have to buy gold today, but you'll get that account credit added so that when you do decide to make a purchase in the future, because imagine you want to save for your retirement. Gold IRAs, it doesn't mean that it's paper gold or gold that doesn't exist. It's actual physical metal that goes into your IRA. It's a great way to gradually increase the value of your retirement portfolio over time. But I know a lot of people are like, you know what? All I want is physical gold to keep in my safe. Their capital has great prices. So call that number today. 1-800-885-2175. That's 1-800-885-2175. We'd love to hear your thoughts on your experience with their capital. If you have spoken to them before, Thank you to Lear Capital for supporting the Wake Up America show. We appreciate them very much. Um, all right. There you go. That's There's your advertising for the day. Uh, what's next? Will, we did all that. Cuomo calls for states to cut off funds to public schools that condone anti-Semitism. Yeah, absolutely. But cut off funds to all public schools anyway, right? <laughs> this was a good piece that I read over the National Review. We're going to talk to the judge here in just a few minutes. Uh, one of our listeners actually sent in a question for the judge, says, did you even watch the video I sent last night? Uh, the Scott Ritter video. Yes, I have watched Scott Ritter's video. 
He says, ask Napolitano about the original setup of Israel and what happened with the Palestinians being ethnically cleansed from the area. I would if I had prepared him for that topic, but I have not. Uh, and I'd like to actually talk to the judge about that clip that I played with Elon Musk and Joe Rogan, where they were talking about the suppression of conservatives on Twitter and how it was being done at five times the rate. If you'll remember, if you're just this tuning in, the, here's this the is there, there. There was there was uh, basically oppression of um, any any views that would even I would say could be considered middle of the road, um, but certainly anything on the the right. I'm not talking about like like far right. I'm just talking mildly right. The people like Republicans were suppressed at ten times the rate of Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's because. Uh, old Twitter was fundamentally controlled by the far left. It was like completely controlled by the the, the far left. Yep, that, it was completely controlled by the far left. Senator Rand Paul grilled the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and the FBI Director Christopher Wray on whether or not their respective agencies are still colluding with social media companies to censor Americans. And of course, they struggled to answer these questions. But we got to give it up to our boy. Rand Paul. Senator Rand Paul grilling them over the violations of free speech that have been occurring. Now, it wasn't just that the that Twitter was controlled by the far left. It was also that they were in bed with the government. Mayorkas says what we've done in the past, as I shared with you previously, is we have met with social media companies in a public private partnership to speak of the threats to the homeland so that those companies are alert to them. We do not instruct them. Bull. Where's my, I wish I had a, wait a minute, I do. Where's that? No, it's not gonna play. All right, you know what, screw it. Um, I, I Somewhere I have like a, uh, a uh, an app button to uh, mute myself whenever I say a bad word. I'll just self-mute, how about that? That way you guys can actually listen in the morning, not have to worry about your little kids listening to the show. You can text us in at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. We're going to talk to Judge Napolitano about Senator Rand Paul grilling the uh, DHS secretaries. We're going to talk to him a little bit about free speech, where that's at in regards to our ability online to be able to talk with one another freely and to be, as you and I are, conservatives and libertarians, to not have our views suppressed compared to our our liberal friends across the aisle. When we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. There was uh, basically oppression of um, any any views that would even, I would say, could be considered middle of the road. Um, but certainly anything on the the right. I'm not talking about like, like far right. I'm just talking mildly right. The people like Republicans were suppressed at 10 times the rate of Democrats. Republicans suppressed at 10 times the rate of Democrats. Good morning. I'm Austin Peterson. Thanks for tuning in to the Wake Up America show. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday here. Click that subscribe button if you believe in free speech, like Senator Rand Paul, who yesterday grilled the heads of the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security about whether or not the government was still in bed with social media and still clamping down on voices like yours mine and my next guest judge andrew napolitano he's the host of the judging freedom podcast which has been seen by millions of people around the world one of the leading voices for liberty and you can read his weekly column at his newly revamped website judgenap.com essential reading for those who believe in freedom just like you and me joining us now the man himself good morning judge thanks for joining us 
Uh, good morning, Austin. Thank you for the generous introduction. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, Rand Paul is uh, one of the few people in the Congress that understands that the whole purpose of the, the whole purpose of the First Amendment is to keep the government out of the business of speech. A fascinating uh, new news story that is that Elon Musk appears on uh, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast last night. And the headline is that the reason why he buys Twitter is because it has become essentially a branch of the government. It's, he calls it state media, like Pravda, and says that conservatives were censored at 10 times the rate that liberals were. Does that surprise you at all, Judge? It does not surprise me at all, uh, given uh, who was doing the uh, censoring. Now, the, the great irony of this is the time period that he's talking about is during the presidency of Donald Trump. So this is the power of the deep state in utter defiance of what they know the president of the United States would want. Um, not to criticize him, but he didn't have a full understanding of how the government worked. If he's in office another time, I think he'll have a better understanding, speaking of Donald Trump, of how the government worked. Uh, but contrary to what he would have wanted to have happened had he known about it the deep state the same deep state that tormented him the same deep state that prosecuted him um attempted to regulate free speech by going around the first amendment and getting private actors to do it question can the government do in an indirect way what the constitution prohibits it from doing in a direct way the direct prohibition is Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. Pretty clear. Today, that means no government, local, state, federal, executive, legislative, judicial, shall do anything that interferes with free speech. That is clear and a unanimous Supreme Court opinion clarifying First Amendment jurisprudence starting in 1969. Now, since the government can't do it, can the government use a carrot or a stick to get private entities to do it? The answer is clearly no, but the government does it anyway. And this very issue, Austin, is before the Supreme Court of the United States oral argument uh, in December decision uh, in April. The lower federal courts enjoined the government's agents from speaking with big tech, unless it was about some regulatory issue, about the content of speech, Supreme Court lifted that injunction and said, we'll have the uh, final word. It's uh, heartbreaking that they even lifted the injunction because the government's behavior is so obvious to a, a high school social studies student outside the bounds of the Constitution. Judge, I don't know if you may be familiar with this term, you may not, but this has been what we call uh, on the internet a red pill moment for many conservatives who are waking up to the reality of the deep state and what it truly is. Uh, you know, in terms of a conspiracy, it's sort of the banality of evil in many ways, because uh, rather than some like puppet string masters of Illuminati who are, you know, uh, the Bilderberg group that's telling everybody what to do. It's more an ideological cabal of bland, dull, gray bureaucrats who do what they want to do, regardless of what their boss, the duly elected commander in chief, the president of the United States would have them do. As you described it earlier, essentially what, what is happening here is that not only 
is the uh, are the social media institutions captured by the extreme left, but the government itself and the bureaucracy of the government, the the USDA, the DHS, all these intelligence agencies and security agencies, increasingly our military judge, as it turns more woke, are uh, they are activists fighting for an agenda that is immune to the democratic actions of the voters, is it not? Yes, 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 you, you've, you've stated it perfectly. Um, you're, you're as angry about this uh, as I am. Um, it, it's, it's a function of the government being so big uh, that it's out of control. It's a function of so many people staying in office, no matter which party controls uh, the Congress and who's in the White House. Uh, and these people uh, uh, well, succumbing to the human temptation of wanting to tell others how to live. Our friend Lou Rockwell uh, often cites uh, St. Augustine, libido dominandi, the lust to dominate. It's part of human uh, nature. If you think you're better than everybody else and if you have the power to do so, you'll tell them uh, how to live. Uh, the government, the people that work in the government, find it nearly uh, irresistible to uh, to stay away from exercising uh, that kind of power. Um, but but the the government, the government is a monster. Everything the government touches, uh, it tarnishes. Everything the government owns, it is stolen. Nearly everything the government says is a lie. It, it exists because it's a monopoly of force. There's no morality uh, to it. Why do we let it get away with this stuff just because a, a previous generation did? Does anybody consent to this? Have consent to the governed as the linchpin of the moral legitimacy of government? You know, anybody that's consented to the federal government. I mean, these are not academic questions. They once were, but they're now real life questions about how we should live our lives with, with people pulling strings behind the scenes suppressing speech that they uh, that they hate elon musk is right to reveal this and to complain about it of course he paid 44 billion for twitter it's not worth half i mean this is the world's greatest investor the world's richest man <laughs> judge i can go two ways with this and, and god bless you judge because i love hearing you say these things it is true as nietzsche said that that um, everything the state says is a lie and everything it has, it is stolen. And and I love, you know, be, being with someone who is of kindred spirit uh, uh, on this. I, I guess I, I'll go two ways. I've got an H.L. Mencken quote that I'd like to have you respond to here in just a moment. But, you know, we were joking a little bit earlier about his rotundity. It reminded me of a bit, a bit of a story because the conspiracy against our free speech rights did not start with uh, the creation of the Department of Homeland Security. It didn't start with the Patriot Act. It didn't start with Richard Nixon clamping down on the Black Panthers and the KKK. The, the conspiracy against our free speech rights started with the second president of the United States, did it not? You're exactly right. With the Alien and Sedition Acts, uh, which had many sections to them, some of which are, are humorous by modern standards, but among them was making it a felony to uh, be critical of the foreign policy of the government or to be critical of the president or the Congress. Note who's not in there, the vice president, 
who was the vice president when the Alien and Sedition Acts were enacted? <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. What did Thomas Jefferson do in the first three weeks uh, of, of his presidency? Pardon everyone who had been convicted under the Alien and Sedition Acts. It's almost inconceivable that the same generation, in some cases, the same human beings which wrote in the First Amendment, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech, in the Alien and Sedition Acts, just eight years later, after they wrote that, made it a crime uh, to be critical uh, of the government. And people were prosecuted. The most famous prosecution is Congressman uh, Matthew Lyons, who called John Adams his rotundity, actually your rotundity, said it to his face. And he was uh, arrested and prosecuted for mocking the president's waistline and sentenced to uh, two years in a dungeon uh, that the government owned in western Massachusetts, and the government seized his 460-acre farm in Vermont. And then he did the unthinkable, which if you're from Hudson County, New Jersey, or Chicago, or Louisiana, you're familiar with this. He ran for re-election from his jail cell, and he won. And when he got out of jail and he went to Washington to get sworn in, who gave him the oath? Not the rotund John Adams, but the tall, thin, raven-haired Thomas Jefferson, who pardoned him, gave him back his 460-acre farm and cleared uh, his name. Well, that's just the point of the lengths to which big government went to suppress free speech. The forerunners of Woodrow Wilson in World War I, FDR in World War II, George W. Bush uh, and the Patriot Act. And now, I can't blame this on Trump, but it happened during his administration. This circling around uh, the First Amendment by using a carrot uh, and a stick. Uh, I mentioned something in my column this week. In 2006, uh, the Congress uh, enacted legislation compelling, compelling the uh, telecom providers and the Internet service providers to permit the federal government to be physically present on their premises and to plug into their mainframe uh, computers. So go to AT&T's headquarters in San Francisco and get off the elevator on the wrong floor. And you'll be met by guys carrying AR-15s and they work for the federal government. Who's behind them? The NSA and the FBI. And what are they doing? Taking down every word, every syllable, every breath, every keystroke of every uh, customer of AT&T. And that's just one building in the United States. There are many just like it. Speaking of running a jail, uh, running for office from jail and winning, maybe that's the precedent set for the next president, if Donald Trump. <laughs> 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 if you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. I'm having a pleasant conversation with my old friend, Judge Andrew Napolitano. He's the host of the Judging Freedom podcast, which you can download on any of your mobile devices. And of course, read his weekly column at judgenap.com. Click like and subscribe if you enjoy this content so that you can come back and join us. The judge usually joins us every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Central Time. Uh, we bumped him down a little bit uh, for a conflict, so we're glad that he's still with us today. Um, judge, now it's big brain time. It's time for us to put on our, our, our thinking caps. This is a conversation that I was actually having with my wife just the other night. We were discussing not only this uh, conversation about how how she was perplexed that the founding fathers, the ones who had written the Constitution, were, would would turn around and the Declaration would turn around 
and immediately clamped down on the free speech that they had had laid out uh, in in making the case for free speech that they would turn around and pass the Alien Sedition Acts. It was quite perplexing. Of course, you and I know that power corrupts, and of course, absolute power corrupts absolutely. But I'm I'm struggling with a concept, Judge, and I wonder if you can help me to work this out in my mind better. Certainly, you help me to 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 uh, quell the boisterous um, the seas of of uh, of conflict that I have within myself sometimes in understanding these concepts. Uh, I, I'm looking at the the problem of the Israel and Hamas conflict and the the rabid anti-Semitism that has exploded ar- around the country and around the world. Uh, and, and I and I'm looking at this from the perspective of how Marxists, the, the Marxist, uh, anti-Semitic Marxists and their hatred for Jewish intellectuals, just like Hitler's hatred, hatred for Jewish capitalism, they despised uh, the fact that Jewish intellectuals were making peasants in poor countries feel as if they could have a better lot in life. And of course, socialists want to keep us all poor so that they can more easily control us. For example, and I'm sorry to set this up in such a long way, but it's, it's a big concept that I'm wrestling with. The Khmer Rouge of Cambodia, for example, Judge, when they, when they committed to the slaughter and the massacre of their own people in the name of Karl Marx, they, they immediately went after the intellectuals. They went after people that they thought were intelligent, teachers, doctors, engineers, somebody, they wore glasses in order to kill the people that they thought would be a threat to the regime because of their jealousy and because they wanted to keep people poor and they wanted to keep people stupid. Marxists want to use violence against us in order to enforce a regime on all of us of a centralized power to, 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 in order to rule over us all. H.L. Mencken had a quote. He says that, I love liberty, but I don't love liberty so much that I would force it on other people. And I wonder, I, I think I might disagree with that, Judge, if only for the simple fact that we are allowed, you and I, as libertarians, we are allowed to live in a country that has a liberal order. We are allowed to have free speech in this country because we have a liberal order. If we were lived in Gaza, we would be killed. If we lived in Iran, we would be killed. In Russia, we would be, we, Vladimir Putin would have had a shot in the face. North Korea, we would be dead by now, you and I, for what we believe. I love liberty, and it's worth fighting for and suppressing, by force if necessary, communists and Marxists who would force upon us a violent world order that is illiberal. In other words, I love liberty so much that it's worth fighting for. Don't tread on me means something. In other words, how can we say we love liberty if we aren't willing to enforce a moral order that is a liberal order and create a constitution, create courts and laws and police, even in our ideal world where the government is limited and only involves, you know, adjudicating contract disputes, as Milton Friedman, Friedman describes it. We are still committing to a monopolization of force, and we are, in, in effect, outlawing communism to an extent. Are we not? Well, it's a long, uh, long question. So I'm not sure if you're talking about uh, using force to defend liberty at home or using force to impose liberty elsewhere. I mean, at home. I mean, that, that at home, oh. we don't allow communists and Marxists to violently suppress our rights. We don't allow that. They, they can be communists and have their ideas, but if they tried to overthrow the government and install a communist government, then 
Well, it's it, you know it's shooting time, right? It's, it's oh, absolutely, it's time. Ab- absolutely. Look, the 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 baseline for you and me, and I I suspect for many people listening to us. I'm smiling because it's the first syllable of my last name. N A P is the non-aggression principle, um, articulated most famously by Professor Murray Rothbard in the modern era. Uh, and that is all initiated aggression, violent uh, or uh, by deception, is immoral and illicit. But defending uh, against violence, it's illicit not to defend against violence. You have every right, <clears throat> you have the natural human right uh, to engage in self-defense, and that is a collective right. That's not me, that's Justice Scalia. Uh, in the uh, Heller against District of Columbia decision, uh, upholding the individual right to keep and bear arms, he argued that the use of a gun is the modern mechanical uh, version of punching the bad guy in the nose uh, before he uh, punches you. Can you use force and violence in America against people that are using force and violence to take away uh, our rights? Absolutely. Can you use force and violence in America to silence people whose ideas would undermine force and violence? Absolutely not. If you're going to be faithful to uh, the non-aggression principle, the non-aggression principle, if carried out, guarantees small government. Now, we don't have the non-aggression principle Uh, In this country, we have a government that engages in aggression at every level, uh, every day, all over the place, all the time. That's uh, how it it stays in power. I smiled when you mentioned Mencken because he has so many funny uh, one-liners. And I'm not sure if he's talking about forcing liberty on others. Because when, a la George W. Bush perhaps the worst uh, American president in the post-World War II uh, era because of Afghanistan, Iraq, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Patriot Act. Uh, We're going to use force and violence to spread democracy. We don't spread democracy. We spread death and destruction. Let people have the government that just rises to the fore. It's not our business. If we search the planet, Now, back to John Adams on this. We agree with him. Well, this might have been his son, John Quincy Adams. If we search the planet looking for monsters to destroy, there will be no end to our search. And Friedrich Nietzsche, who said that be careful in uh, slaying monsters that you do not become a monster yourself. But but not speaking of interventionist neoconservatism, not not speaking of the believers uh, in Leo Strauss who want to spread democracy by force. We enforce a liberal order here in the United States. We and, and let's say that the government wasn't doing every again everything that we wanted to do. We enforce a monopolization of violence. If 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 minarchism or limited government is the monopolization of violence, anarchism is the democratization of violence, and therefore we mu- we can say at some point as libertarians as well, I guess to use a a term that we hate, many statists, if you will, if you believe in a constitution, if you believe in a limited government, such as, you know, you have advocated for in the past, and and certainly I have, then in some ways, we do believe that 
that in order for us to have the freedoms that we have, that we commit to a process of courts, police, uh, and, and in order to at minimum adjudicate disputes and to carry out violence if necessary in order to enforce those contracts. I mean, we could talk all day about private courts and all those kinds of things, but at the end of the day, in some ways, we do say, well, you can be a communist and have those ideas, but you're not going to be allowed to force them through the, on the rest of us through government and create a totalitarian society. In other words, we dominate. We, not because we have a lust for dominate, but we dominate with a liberal order in this country in order to protect all of our rights. Well, and that's I, because... That's because no, you're on track. Uh, that's because our rights are natural and they come from our humanity and nobody can take them away. Not the tyranny of the majority, not, not a, a benevolent dictator. Uh, nobody can. And you have the absolute right, individually or collectively, uh, to defend those rights. So if a communist government were popularly elected in the state of Missouri, where you are now, although it's more likely to happen here in New Jersey, where I am, where we're just a couple of inches away from it. Yeah. Uh, and, say, Judge. And, and the communist uh, government legislated against liberty, it would be absolutely moral and lawful to take up arms against that government because the liberty they are trying to take away is natural and belongs to human beings. This is the difference between us and positivists who believe that the law is whatever the lawgiver says it is. So if the First Amendment were to be repealed, do we still have the freedom of speech? If you're a big government type, no. If you believe in the natural law, yes. The First Amendment doesn't grant the freedom of speech. It theoretically keeps the government away from it. Where does it come from? Our humanity. Judge, about how many people in the world would you say you can have these types of discussions with? Just the person I'm speaking with now and his, uh, his fortunate and privileged listeners. <laughs> Judge, <laughs> tell us about your fortunate and privileged listeners at Judging Freedom. What do we have coming up for them? I just finished uh, a half an hour with Professor uh, Jeffrey Sachs uh, from Rome, wonderful, brilliant, gifted human being, uh, harshly critical of uh, Jewish and harshly critical of uh, Bibi Netanyahu, harshly critical of Tony Blinken, harshly critical of American involvement uh, in uh, Ukraine. Um, yesterday, I had um, Scott Ritter. 175,000 views in, in two hours, and tomorrow, uh, Colonel uh, Douglas McGregor. So I have another one of these in just about three minutes. Uh, we're uh, getting the word out there about the evils of uh, government entanglement, which uh, produces more uh, damage and harm. If the Israelis think the U.S. has their back, ask Vladimir Zelensky what that's like. Oh, that would mean a lot of money, a lot of American taxpayer dollars. Uh, Judge Andrew Politano, host of Judging Freedom Readers Weekly Column at JudgeNap.com. He joins us every Wednesday here at 8 a.m. Central, typically different time today. Judge, thank you very much. Bless you, sir. And we'll talk to you next week. Right back at you, Austin. Thank you. Thank you. What do you think of Judge Andrew Napolitano? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. You do not get those conversations anywhere else. Those big brain, big philosophical questions. What do you think about that? Do we enforce a liberal world order, meaning 
not bad liberal, but good liberal order, right? We, we don't allow communists to take over our government. We, we will not tolerate the centralization of power into the hands of one man. We will not tolerate fascism. We will not tolerate communism. We will not tolerate socialism. In other words, we love liberty enough to force it on those who would take it from us. And things libertarians typically like to say, definitely things that they don't like to hear, but true nonetheless. You don't hear those conversations between any other libertarians. The judge understands these things. You probably understand these things. At least you definitely do more now after that conversation. If you enjoy those conversations, will you do me a favor? Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. I also want to highly recommend that you check out ap4libertyshop.com. We've got so many awesome new products over at ap4libertyshop.com. It would make your head spin. You don't want to miss our delicious founding flavors coffee. Thomas's painkiller is an incredible, delicious, premium single origin roast. Get a bag today. You'll start, you're supporting the ideas that you believe in. Don't buy coffee from woke coffee companies that hate you and use your money to fund abortions like Starbucks. Visit apforlibertyshop.com. Get yourself a cool phone case. You can get a Don't Tread on Me phone case, Ron Paul phone cases, Rothbard. I've got a pair of Ron Paul tennis shoes on the shop. Can you believe that? I've got Murray Rothbard tennis shoes. I've got uh, American flag sneakers. The items that we have at apforlibertyshop.com, you just can't find anywhere else. It's completely different than any other patriotic merchandise shop. Check it out right now. apforlibertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, apforlibertyshop.com. We'll see you tomorrow here on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com.